so excited today to have Dr. Barbara Provost, founder of Purse Strings, and she's going to help us answer the question, which is the title of today's show, Men or Women, Who Controls the Money? Let's get started. It's a beautiful day at Rose Creek Community Center. I'm Bo Henderson, and this is the Retirement Resource, and I'm here with Carl. And Carl, I have to say, I don't know what's going on. You have this permagrin thing going on. You look as happy as I've seen you. Good news? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know how to put it, Bo, but I think I might be in love. Whoa, that, that's big news. What's going on? It, don't tell me it's somebody in the community center. Well, I mean, I, I spend most of my time either here on the show with you in the community center or working at the community center. So yes, the community center has brought me love. But Bo, you know, like my my dad used to say, mo love, mo problems. He sounds like a wise man. I like that. Mo love, love mo problems. So, mm-hmm. so tell me about this lady. Have you let her know your feelings? How You know, you asked her on a date? Well, you know, typically I found in the past, Bo, that um, women are intimidated by me. Oh, uh, <laughs> Okay, yeah. Is that the feedback you get or is that just yeah, you know, what I'm you've come to on your own? Classically good looking. Mm-hmm. I've got very interesting jobs. I'm, I'm uh, you know, they've tamed a lone wolf that's really kind of, you know, if they come along. Oh, the whole um, bad boy thing. The, not really bad, just like alone a lot. You know, the loner, the okay. women are really into that. But yeah, so she's amazing. You know, we, we have had these great conversations she comes to the community center. I mean, maybe not as like much as I'd like, but she's here, um, which which really it does it 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 poses you know a, a problem for me. What's the well one first? I want to know: Are you going to name names here? No, no, I'm a, I'm a gentleman, so you know <laughs> a gentleman doesn't fall in love and tell. I, I think that's the way the saying goes. Close, close enough. Uh, well, tell me, well, what's the problem? So the first problem is, you know... Other than intimidating. Right, yeah. The first problem is clearly I'm typically intimidating, but she's, you know, uh, she's got her life in order and she's just super well put together and she knows what to do with, you know, her her finances and all that stuff. That's why she loves the show. This is actually, it's a big thank you to you that we're even talking because she heard the show and she knew that we recorded it at the uh, community center. But that leads actually to my next problem is that I, I feel like now I have two great loves and I don't know that oh, I can wow. be in love and have two great loves. Wait a minute, wait a minute. This is getting serious. So not only are you going to share with me today, you think you're in love, you're going to tell me there's two women? Well, well, not technically. The first one is, yes, a woman. Um, but the second one, I mean, her name is Rose, the Rose Creek Community Center. I should have known. Yep. Well, you have spent, what, 13 years of your life here? Yeah, and I mean, I love it. Everything from, you know, the pickleball courts to uh, the the yoga studio and now the show. I mean, this this community center has given me some of the things that I love most in this world. Like, you know, I, I never before got to be the head VHS guy. I never got to be the backup yoga instructor. I mean, it's given me a lot of purpose and identity here. Well, Carl, I know you're a big deal around here, but... Do you not think, this is the coach coming out in me, do you not think there's room for the community center in this new lady? You know, I've just been a a lone wolf so long. I just, I don't know if she can handle me and my love for the community center. It's just, it's yet to be determined. We're going to work on that. I think you can get around that. I think we might be able to make room for both. So if that's all the issues we have, we're good to go. No, there's one more thing. What else? Um... She's Art's baby sister. Oh, boy. 
Yeah, so I mean, art barely lets me in the building without a name tag. I am really afraid of what might happen to art and then to me if he sees me walking in the building hand in hand with his baby sister. Uh, this might be one of those situations where I just say, let's just let's just find another another scenario. Another lady, maybe. Yeah. yeah, there's hey, again, I'm used to being a lone wolf and there's plenty of other ladies at the community center, but you know, we'll see. Well, as interesting as that is, it's time for in the news. One of my favorite segments, and there's always a lot in the news that we can bring up and talk about. So, Carl, have you found anything? You've been you become quite the curator since you've been doing the show. I've seen you in the library here looking up retirement articles. It excites me. You're like a, a intern, like a student almost. Well, one of the things I've always loved to do, Bo, is to read. And since I've been on the show, one of the things I realized that I don't actually read a lot about is finances or retirement. And so the show has kind of inspired me to go find some some new spaces. And actually, interestingly, this week, it was inspired by my love life. <laughs> Our topic this week? Yeah, yeah. The the articles that I was reading, actually, I came across. Oh, boy. I don't know if I want to do this. Well, and 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 actually, you were really helpful in my love life this okay, week. This is just too much. No, no. You were being interviewed uh, and speaking with Maury Stedner on Investors Business Daily. And you guys are actually talking about what happens when couples clash and the advisors try to restore some peace. Because for us, I was speaking to my lady and we were talking about, you know, she's not, again, she's not as invested in the community center as I am. And so we were talking about maybe she doesn't renew her membership. And I was shocked to my core. And then she wanted to talk about the money of it. And I didn't feel great about talking about money, but I mean, how can you put a price tag on the Rose Creek Community Center? You just need to give what you need to give to be here. And so we were starting to get a little tense and actually reading your article helped us kind of get through that. So, I mean, when you guys were talking, how did that come about? How did this topic come about for you guys? Yeah, no, I'm glad. Thanks for bringing that that up. The article was really around COVID-19 and what happened there. And, and the question was, have you noticed couples when it comes to their finances and the retirement that, you know, I, I do a lot of the retirement coaching and strategy, do you notice more tension? So that's kind of how it started. And what where that went is that, yes, you know, when things are stressful, guess who we're very likely to take it out on? Sometimes the people closest to us. Absolutely. You know, we sit around this community center all the time. Uh, but especially in the couple dynamic, one of the things I've been able to do when I'm when I'm kind of that third party asked, how do we how do we navigate this? Is facilitate the space to openly talk about money. I call it a date night, right? It might not seem like the funnest thing to do as far as a date, but if we can block the time and schedule and realize, hey, if we'll do this monthly, if we'll commit an hour of time just to have these conversations, just to get on the same page, that what I've seen that do for relationships uh, has been so powerful, Carl. And I get I, the, a word that might sound funny is one of the comments I had come in recently that was I thought was very impactful. Uh, a wife told me that once I was able to help them start having these conversations about money, and it was something they just didn't talk about, one, she felt like she knew what was going on in the financial life more than she ever has in a 20-something year marriage. Wow. And two, she said it increased the intimacy in our relationship. So you think about, it doesn't seem like money could and intimacy necessarily are connected, but she just felt more connected, a deeper connection because they were on the same page and they were having a conversation. 
Yeah, because whether you're in a new relationship like I am, or you've been together for decades, I would imagine that the trust issue around money, if it's damaged and it's not worked on, I mean, can be incredibly impactful to the intimacy of a couple. If we think about it, a lot of times what happens with money, it gets this very powerful negative energy because if we do not talk about it, it will raise its head or it'll come up in typically stressful or negative situations, right? Yeah. Something happens that we have to address it. Like they want to cancel their membership to the community center. Right. Very negative situation. But if that's the only time we're talking about money in the context of negative things happening, then all of a sudden our money gets a negative energy. So it reinforces us not talking about it. You see the cycle we go down here. Uh, But what we can do is when we're clear, we have honest communication, we we can kind of Take, take back some of that energy and realize, you know what? Money is just something we all have to use to function in life. That's just the reality of it. And it's a tool. Sure. So, so let's just talk about it. And when money becomes something that we just talk about it, it's something we do. It's not this big issue or this thing that only comes up when we're stressed or when we're yelling at each other, right? Then it can kind of take away a lot of that, that emotion. And a lot of times the emotion is what, what it escalates the situation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I hadn't thought about the fact that everybody's carrying their relationship with money in different ways. Like me, my lady, I didn't want to talk about it and she's well-versed. And so having this idea of being able to zero out the emotion and go, we're going to talk it almost as if it's what it's supposed to be, which is this inanimate object. You're not, your identity isn't attached to it. Um, Which is interesting because Once again, my lady passed on an article to me this week to help me kind of understand where she's coming from, from the finances. And it comes from this, you know, the hotbed of journalism, you know, where we're all bookmarked on our homepages. Uh, The Department of Labor actually has an entire article about women and retirement savings because this is something she's thought about a lot. Okay. And she actually was like, hey, did you know? So, Bo, I'd be interested to know. They've got this entire article about women and retirement savings. And they say that uh, planning and saving for retirement may seem like goals that are far in the future, yet saving, especially for retirement and women, should start early and continue throughout the lifetime. And here are four reasons why savings uh, matter to women, uh, especially. Did you know, Bo? And they've got four of these. Did you know? Uh, Number one, women are more likely to work in part-time jobs that don't qualify for a retirement plan. Working women are more likely than men to interrupt their careers to take care of family members. Therefore, they work fewer years and contribute less toward their retirement, resulting in lower lifetime savings. Like, is that, I mean, that was news to me. I'd never thought about the fact that, yeah, I mean, wonderful women in my life have stopped to take care of kids Mm -hmm. or aging parents or sick family members. And they've left what they were doing, what they were working towards, either on a corporate ladder or their uh, job environment. But I never thought about the impact to their retirement. Yeah, well, think there's a couple of things that happen. Uh, the art, the the article, absolutely, I've seen this show up time and time again. Is that hey, maybe uh, a woman in a household has stayed home and helped raise a family. Yeah, meaning they probably worked a lot harder. Oh, right? absolutely, twice um, or. Like we're going back to, to work part time, and we may not have access to benefits that would would end up with maybe a pension or a savings in a four hundred one k. And again, doesn't mean we didn't work just as hard or harder. We just weren't in a system that maybe helped us increase those retirement savings. Yeah. And then where it comes to be a problem, and and I don't want to be a bummer on this. Imagine if that's the dynamic for for a lifetime, 30, 40 years of a career or a spouse working, and then something like a divorce happens. Sure. And you could have one spouse that 
pulled their weight, so to speak, for lack of a better way to put it, but didn't really come out even financially. Didn't work yeah. out. Right, financially. So I think it's very relevant. And, and, you know, we even need to have conversations about that is, okay, how do we offset that? And how do we make sure? And sometimes it's life insurance, meaning, uh, okay, if one spouse passes away that does have the benefits, maybe there's a life insurance policy that ensures that that pension or that, that savings that the, the other spouse didn't have the opportunity to, to accumulate is offset. Yeah. So those are conversations. What we don't want to do, and this comes up time and time again, is we don't want to be figuring these things out and dealing with them after something happens. Yep. Right. Let's come up with a plan now. What yep. else we got? The second point they, they made were that only 46% of working women participated in a retirement plan. I mean, has this been your experience? Is there a difference between men and women in that that you know of? You know, what, what I run into, it's probably not that different as far as eligible working adults. Mm-hmm. So, But I think what gets that skewed a little bit is part-time workers. If I'm part-time, I sure. might not be eligible for the plan. Uh, and, and really what I've seen a shift in the 20 years that I've been working with clients with retirement strategy is that I, if anything, women are actually taking a more prominent role. And in a lot of cases, a big shift has been they are now the head of the household when it comes to the finances of the household. Mm, fascinating. So, so shift, yeah. Fascinating. Uh, the third thing that they brought up uh, in asking, do you know about uh, women in retirement is that on average, a female retiring at age 65 can expect to live another 21 years. Yeah, 21 years and nearly three years longer than a man the same age. And so, you know, this savings, this retirement can increase a woman's chance of having enough money to last during their retirement. Yeah, yeah. women outlive men um, on average, right? Mm-hmm. They just live longer. And there was a statistic that that we'd used uh, in some of the workshops we were, when we were teaching that to me was really impactful. And it was uh, how many women at the po- how many people at the poverty level actually are women, and it's and it's it's seventy percent. Wow! And it's because there's more of them left mm. at, at that age. Uh, so what we want to do there is say, okay, we're living longer. But the the hard part of that statistic, Carl, was that. Half of those currently living at the poverty level were not before their spouse passed away. Man. So here's the thing. Some of that may not be avoidable. A lot of it would could be mm. if there was better planning. And again, we're shifting to that. Let's, let's be proactive. Let's see, okay, if there's a really good chance, I want to outlive. And, and you said three years on average. I run into scenarios regularly where a spouse outlives another spouse by 10, 15 years plus. Mm. Now imagine the impact. So... What is our plan for that? And, and in a household, uh, it's pretty certain that one person's going to die before the other. I mean, I, I get there could be exceptions, but for the most part, that's Yeah, like it. on the Titanic with the couple with the hand-in-hand thing, yeah, just going that, together. That's so funny. That's where your mind goes. But yes, yes. Uh, but, but we know that will happen. We right. know, we know to, uh, usually a spouse will die before another. And my question is, we say, yes, we know that. My question is, what is your plan for that? Hmm. And if we don't have one... That's an action item. We need to come up with a plan for that because we don't want to be the reactive person that is trying to scramble and deal with this after something happens, when you're vulnerable and we have less options. It's a great point. The last and final did you know uh, thing from the Department of Labor in this article about women in retirement was, by and large, women invest more conservatively than men. I thought that was fascinating. You know, the need for security, I, I do see it stronger in women. There's something about wanting to feel safe, wanting to feel 
secure. And maybe it's something about, there's also a dynamic of women are really good at protecting what's theirs, their household, their kids, their family. And maybe there's something to that about that that security. The prudent investor. Right. Well, and in conversations with, uh, with women, that's one of the things we'll notice is usually if somebody in the household's Want, willing to roll the dice, and somebody's a little more conservative. A lot of times, it's the spouse because they, a lot of the, of the woman in the household. A lot of times, they just want to know that hey, I, we're going to be okay. I'm going to take care of the things myself and the household that are important to me. So you know, Carl, that's some great in the news. We really have this this woman theme. So so thank you for your personal life. For yeah, and it's kind of played out. Thank you to my lady for bringing us new information here on the show. Well, I'm excited. Our guest expert today is going to really even dive into this even further. But that's all the time we have right now for in the news. Who controls the money? We're going now to Dr. Barbara Provost, founder of Purse Strings. So welcome to the Retirement Resource, Barbara. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm so excited. I've told our listeners about what we're going to learn. And the question we threw out earlier in the show was, who really controls the purse strings? You know, you might think it's men, you might think it's women. I'm not sure, but I know you've got some some data and some research to back that up. I sure do. Yep. It's always the women. Wow. Well, well give us a little bit of that. that it, what's the percentage? Kind of, Kind of some of that... Yeah, sure. So typically, I've seen it anywhere between 90 and 95% of the household financial decisions are made by the women. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. And that's because when you think about all the purchases that need to be made to run the household, oftentimes, they're either made by or influenced by the woman. So even let's say, if they're buying a television or you know some big piece for the house, even if they have a discussion, the man and the woman or the partners have a discussion about the item, the influence is uh, what the woman wants. So, you know, happy wife, happy life. No, and you know, it's funny as, as I've taught other people in our retirement planning business and everything, and you'd be proud of this, and since I met you a while back, uh, you better make sure if they leave, the husband's on board and they leave, and on the way home, the wife says, I'm not comfortable or something was off for me. Nothing's going to happen there. You got it. And it's so important to say that because so often, you know, women, um, they're gracious. They might smile and nod their head when you give some signals that they're engaged or on board. But oftentimes when they leave is really when they have the conversation around what, uh, how was their experience? Did they feel acknowledged, listened to, things like that? And they'll tell uh, the spouse in the car how they felt about the experience. When we're talking, you brought up, you just said felt about the experience. So you brought up a good point. So sometimes it's beyond the numbers, right? When we're talking about finances, uh, I can get really mathematical sometimes, but there's something beyond that that can be the issue or what people, women are picking up on. Definitely. So, so often I find that financial professionals think uh, it's all about the ROI, the return on investment, where with women, their focus is, of course, they want a good return on their investment, but their focus is more around their family, their security, uh, their financial future, uh, how it's going to impact them, their children. It's more familial, you know, around their family than it is about the the dollar amount. Well, here's a word. I'm gonna throw it at you, and and I'm just gonna let you take it where you want to. But when I think of of interacting with women, the words trust. Oh yeah. 
So I've interviewed so many women and facilitated so many focus groups. And the biggest setback is that they do not trust the insurance or financial professionals. In fact, there was a study done uh, by the Boston Consulting Group, and this is in the uh, Harvard Business Review, and they said that the insurance and financial industry wins the award as being the least sympathetic to women. And there's a huge trust deficit there. So there's a disconnect, right? We're saying the the women control the purse strings, mm-hmm. making 90, 90 plus percent of the decisions, right? And, and uh, yet they're not being addressed in a way. So so there's a disconnect, huge disconnect. And I'll add to that that women are the most powerful market on the planet. So they're fifty one percent of the market, and they're worth a twenty two trillion dollars and growing. They're a very very powerful and very wealthy market. When we so when we it, it's eye opening when you start sharing some of these numbers and statistics and I appreciate the work you're doing because it's raising awareness of these mm-hmm. things and I, I'm here to support that because I believe in it and I've seen exactly what you're talking about Barb, um, but so so we know all these things that they control they control women control assets um, they're they're the decision makers but they're still going into retirement with some problems let's talk about that. Yes. Uh, So as part of the work that I've done, I've really evaluated uh, how women are set up for their financial future. And part of this came uh, when I myself was going through a divorce and I was navigating that with a group of other women. And I could hear them say things like, I'm not quite sure of the cash flow in our household. You know, my husband pays the bills. I'm not quite sure if we have life insurance. You know, lots of fundamental questions about the, their own monies in their household. So what's happening is that women are so busy and they've many, many times, not always, but many times they've divided and conquered responsibilities in the household. I'll do this, you do that. And oftentimes the men are making the financial decisions. Uh, women might be paying some bills, but for long-term financial impacts, oftentimes the men are making those decisions or building those relationships, which is really, really not a good thing. And, and you know, Bo, the impact of some of these decisions in terms of social security and things like that, pension, uh, what are the impacts that they're making on these larger long-term scale financial investments that impact women because women will live longer than their male spouse, statistically speaking, and they will need some oversight and some health and uh, welfare oversight, which is expensive in their later years. And oftentimes, if good decisions are not made at this point in time when they're planning, then the women are really losing out. And, you know, one of the things that comes up a lot, uh, especially in a kind of a coaching or advising scenario for me, Dr. Barb, is this situation of when when one spouse isn't, they're just kind of trusting. There's that word again, kind of trusting the other spouse to kind of quote unquote, take care of it. I've seen a lot of issues come up when maybe things didn't plan out the way we we thought they were being done, or I mm-hmm. thought things were secure and safe, and it turns out there's a problem. And you see other issues beyond the finances come up in relationships. And one of the things I'll try to, from, from a, a planning perspective, is I'll try to get uh, couples to take that negative energy around the conversation around money and just say, hey, our relationship's worth it. Let's just, we have to deal with money. Let's take the emotion out of it. It's a tool we have to deal with. 
let's set up a monthly date night. Now, it might not sound like an exciting date night. I get it. But when I've, when I've been able to get people or encourage people to do that, it's been tremendous. Yes, I love that you're doing that because it is so, so important. You know, they say, you know, people plan more for their honeymoon or their wedding right. or their vacation than they do about their financial future, which is so, so important. And money has a lot of emotion around it. It's around how was money talked about in your household or wasn't it talked about in your household? You know, there's a lot of cultural um, feelings and emotions around money. And we really need to learn to talk about money with our partners, try to take the emotion out of it. Like you say, it's a tool. We need to make sure we're making good decisions about the use of this tool. And we need to have regular and ongoing conversations about money, investments, spending. And you need to get on the same page about goals and values around money. You know, one of the most interesting um, pieces of feedback I've gotten around a couple having conversations about money. And you won't be surprised. The wife shared this with me. She said, Bo, this is this has been such an an intimate feeling or increased the intimacy in our relationship when we started having these real honest conversations and we were both on the same page. I thought it was an interesting word, mm-hmm. but I get it. Yeah, um, money is a personal, very personal. I mean, we would never ask someone, how much money do you make? How much did you pay for your house? You know, things like that. You just don't typically ask those questions or have those conversations. And yet now we're talking about how you're spending your money, how you value money, how you see money. Um, and, And it has a lot to do with kind of what's interwoven as we were growing up and learning and earning and things like that. Well, let's talk a little bit about more traditional roles. How, what's that impact of the the woman that stays at home and maybe takes the prime, probably the hardest job there is and raises right. the family, and that can cause issues? It really can. So when a woman decides to stay at home and raise the children, which is a great choice, if that's what your choice is, no worries. You just do need to have a, a savings and financial plan around that because what happens so often, and you see it even now with um, what's going on with COVID, is so many women are leaving the workforce to care for either a sick child or a sick parent. Um, and it, it's very typical that it's the female leaving the workforce. And what does she leave behind? Well, income for one thing, right. health, health benefits, um, you know, HSA, things like that, retirement contributions, social security contributions, and also the ongoing learning and upskilling of her skills in the workforce while she's in there continuously learning. All of that gets left behind. So they need to make a plan for what are we going to do about this? Because this will be important should she want to return um, or need to return to the workforce. Well, and and speaking about going and working, now we're going going into 2021, Mm -hmm. coming up soon. is there still a, a wage gap? Are you still seeing that women are still fighting a battle there, that they're earning less? There is still a wage gap, wow. yes. There's been an amazing video put out called, I think it's called 182 Years, and that's how long it's going to take before we see uh, finance, financial or um, minimal or, or no wage gap. But today, it's all, you know, I've seen it between 80 cents and you know, 85 cents on the dollar. So... Think about it. If you're if you're earning twenty percent less than your male counterpart, 
compound that into all of the things that that would go into your your income, your retirement contributions, social security and everything. So women earn, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars less when they're thinking about their retirement because they make less money on the dollar. Wow. Well, that's and and living longer, right? So so this is from a risk perspective of retirement planning. Uh, a lot of times I'll speak about longevity being the multiplier of all risk mm-hmm. and, and women tend to live longer. And one of the biggest things I've run into, we talk about, uh, you're talking about the social security benefits mm-hmm. is uh, the higher earning spouse in the household, not taking into account that, that second life. Mm-hmm. And uh, a spouse dies. And what I see uh, across the board, income in the household drops by about a third. Mm-hmm. We're hit by the double whammy of taxes actually go up because you're you're going to a, a less favorable tax bracket. Mm-hmm. It almost seems stacked against you. It really is. And so it seems complicated and women shy away from having financial discussions, but they need to work with people like you, Bo, who really explain the impacts of the decisions that they're making and the impacts now versus the impacts later. And really, you need to plan for the woman living solo because statistically speaking, that's typically how it goes. And again, it's expensive to live on your own when you're older and need more health and oversight, long-term care, things like that. And I oftentimes see women in their retirement years, they're going back to work because they need to cobble a few more little jobs together you know, to pay for some of their expenses. And that was really the whole reason that I created Purse Strings. And, you know, the average age of a woman uh, who's widowed is 59. Wow. And that's another 40 possible years. Exactly. And you talk about losing a third um, women who are divorced, 50% of women and men will divorce. And again, the money in the household for the woman will go down typically. And that's another time where she really needs to know what the finance financial situation is like. It's not the time to learn about what it is, but really to be in front of that information. And I love the way you phrased that, Dr. Barb. So be in front of it because it's a proactive conversation. Yeah. Because when we address it after something's happened and in a reactive way, our options aren't great. And a lot of times it's a much worse situation. So, so that's, that's my question is, I want to hit it from, from two sides. So one, for, the, for the, the women listening to this show, or for those of us who have women we care about, mm-hmm. it's kind of the call to action, the call to arms of how do we start addressing some of these? Because there's some, there's, some, there's some positive statistics we're hearing, and then there's some that, that sound a little daunting that we need to address. Right. And, you know... As an educator, which is my background, is I really want to provide women with knowledge and skill to make good financial decisions. So really, women need to come to the table and just start learning about what they need to know. They need to... And they just start simply by understanding, you know, what is the cash flow in my household, which means what's the money coming in on a monthly basis? And what are the bills or what are the expenses that I'm paying out on a monthly basis? And really got to get a good feel, a good look for that. Because what we make, you know, anything we make on a decisions we make on a daily basis impact us long-term. So getting a hold on that beginning-wise is really important. Like you said, having those conversations with our partners about money and setting out some money goals and understanding how you want to use this tool called money 
and to best leverage your financial decisions and your vacations and your savings for your children and and for your long-term retirement. So it's about really gaining some knowledge um, and skill around having those discussions. That's first and foremost. So for the for the woman listening, it's it's a uh, it's to me it's almost a hundred percent responsibility, right? Is is there's some things that aren't right? They're not adding up. But I've got to learn what I can do to to improve what I can improve. So that's one side of it. And I know you do a lot of education and teaching on that. Mm-hmm. What is it? Maybe if I'm looking for um, okay, I am looking for people that support me on that goal to be. Uh, 100% responsible for my finances. Uh, be proactive with that. Uh, and I'm just thinking about uh, professionals out there. What mm-hmm. what kind of questions should I be asking? What yeah yeah What's the right path for me to have support in that? I'm responsible. What's the support I need around me? And maybe what are some of those questions right. uh, that I should be asking? That's great. Well, you know, it's funny. In our newsletter that we just sent out, it's um, a great article on does your professional add up? Yeah. So oftentimes, you know, it's, you know, my brother sells financial products, my brother-in-law, my sister, whomever. You really need to interview your financial professionals just like you might interview a doctor. You want somebody who's going to align with you, listen to you, understand where you are today currently with your financial picture uh, and be available to you. You really need to know what is it that you want from your financial professional and interview those folks to make sure you're getting what you need because you want someone who's going to be with you in the long term over your life, who you can lean on, go to, get advice from, ask questions, uh, who's going to be there and help you uh, make good financial decisions for yourself. So it's all about really doing the work and really choosing the right person. And I'm alluding to a similar question I had earlier, but how important is the feeling, right? I mean, again, it can be very mathematical, but I've seen scenarios when it doesn't feel right and you move forward anyway, it could be a mistake. It can be a mistake. And oftentimes I see where um, I've heard this a lot. Well, my husband's friend does it. So we go to him. I'm not crazy about him, but you know, he knows him, blah, blah, blah. You know what? No, I would just say you both together um, need to really go to the person that you're both comfortable with because in the long run, what happens, and Bo, you probably know the statistic, that women will leave their financial professional 70% of the time if something should happen to their husband. They'll take all those monies and they will leave and they will find somebody who will listen to them and really make sure that they are being heard. Well, what are some of those uh, maybe cues that that women? I know there's a couple that that I've heard you say a few times that um, if I'm looking, what should I be looking for in that advisor to do that tells me, hey, maybe they get this, maybe they've been to Barb's training. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> you know what I see a lot of times are advisors who'll sit down and they'll have this whole soliloquy of everything that they've done and all the licenses they have, and right. and um, you know, women would not. I would not start there. I would start there with, you know, um, you know, appreciating that they spent her very busy time being in front of you or taking your, a call or, or whatever it might be and just asking her, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Smith, what is it that I can um, help you with today? What are some of your concerns uh, that I can uh, help you with? So just really opening the question about her, her concerns, why she took the time to visit with you, ask you questions, and so on and so forth, and really taking very dedicated notes 
about what she's saying and just prompting. So what else can you tell me? Is there anything else you want to share? Just so that you get what she wants out on the table. Because she, her time is very important to her and she's come to you for something in particular and you want to give her the floor, if you will, to talk about what it is she wants. And she's going to give you lots of interesting tidbits. Kids' names, mm. where she lives, you know, what her income is, what kind of work she does. And all that's going to be really important to you as you have a financial conversation, as you well know. Yeah. And, and you know, right right off the bat, is I, I get it, what you were saying that, you know what, it's not about you being right. the advisor. It, right. I want to know that you're hearing me. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, so where do we start? So I love this. I love the work you've done to educate, raise financial awareness, financial literacy, specific to this group that, that you've seen this, these, this research, you've seen these issues. But again, we can be proactive and we can do something about it. So somebody out there listening, again, the, the woman out there listening to the show, the people that have women they care about listening to the show, and they say, you know what? I don't like what Dr. Barb's saying here. Um, I want to to do something. I want I want to. I don't know how you would phrase it. I call it raise your financial IQ or retirement IQ. Depends on what the context. But but what's a step we could take? Is and and I know you have some programs and you and we're kind of getting to that time of the season where it might be time to do this anyway. Right. Exactly. So um, we always say for women, be financially fearless. So come to the table. Come to PurseStrings.co. We have a lot of free online tools and resources that you can grab and use as you need them. There are lots of different topics out there. We have Ask an Expert. We have other experts answering questions. And what we also do, Bo, as you well know, is we also have a cadre of Purse Strings approved providers. Now, those are financial providers who've been trained and vetted by Purse Strings, and they know how to serve the female market. So you know when you're going to Purse Strings, not only can you get tools and resources to make good decisions, but you can have access to Purse Strings approved providers as well. So yeah, somebody that actually cared enough to take the time to learn. Right. And 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 okay. So, so yeah. great. And I know so we're coming up in a holiday season. I'm yeah. gonna put you on the spot here. Any ideas for a gift to help us with our with our financial literacy? Sure. Well, we have a Black Friday uh, financial foundations for women, and it's um, on sale for ninety nine bucks. And with nice. that, you'll learn, you know, about how to you'll you'll actually work through your cash flow, your budget your net worth, setting smart goals for your finances and setting yourself up for the new year. So it's all online and it's uh, take it at your own pace. And we're here to answer any questions that you have, but it's a great foundational tool to get you set for the new year and get a really good start on where you're at financially. And the course can be found where? uh, PurseStrings.co? Yep, PurseStrings.co. And the name of the course? Fearless Foundations. Fearless Foundations. Now, for $99, I think that might be a better gift or at least have a bigger impact overall than maybe an ugly sweater or a fruit cake or something. <laughs> it, like it'll serve you. Yeah, it'll serve you for the long, long term for sure. Well, thank you, Dr. Barr Provost, for the work you do with Purse Strings, the work you do for the women out there, and can't wait to have you back on the show to give us a little more of an education tip in the future. Sure, Bo, anytime. I'm here. Take care. Okay, thank you. Well, Bo, that music means it's 
it's time for one of my favorite parts of the show. Makes me want to put on my board shorts. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> well, for those of you not in a sunny location this week, it's just time for In the Mailbag. Well, Carl, you know, In the Mailbag, where our listeners and friends uh, send their questions, and there anything about retirement? And you know our message and mission, right? It's about having a fun meaningful retirement. Yeah. So what is your questions? Does it have to do, we talked about it a lot today, your relationships. Does it have to do with money in retirement? Does it have to do with travel ideas you have? Let us know your questions. We'll make sure, we'll give you our thoughts on it. And if it's something we're, that's outside of our realm, I'll get somebody on here to do it. We're all about just sharing good ideas and sharing information. But first, before we dig into today's um, In the Mailbag, let's go over some of the ways people can connect and let us know what they're thinking. Yeah, so you guys can always go to askbo.com. That's A-S-K-B-E-A-U.com to ask one of your questions there. Or you can go to Facebook at facebook.com forward slash retirement resource. And actually, interestingly enough, this week, Bo, our question came in through a Facebook message with an audio file. Oh, we got a real audio clip. Let's do it. Hi, my name's Catherine. I have been loving the show. I just have a question. My spouse and I have started planning for retirement, which we always love your advice about that. But also we had a question, what happens if one of us passes away? How do we, how do we change the plan for just one of us? We would love your thoughts. Thanks so much. Hey, Catherine, great question. I'm so excited to already hear listeners saying they're enjoying the show. Carl, that must mean you're doing something right. That's right. We're, you know, showing up to the community center. They're letting us in, put out this great info. And it's so fun, like you said, to actually hear, you know, you and I are in a studio. We don't get to like see people or interact to have them and hear their voices come back in. It's so cool. Well, so to Catherine's question, and, and today's show was perfect for this question to come up because we talked a lot about what happens when a spouse dies. And that was Catherine's question is we planning, we've been planning for retirement, but I'm starting to think the situation changes if one of us goes away, if one of us passes away. And the answer to that is that, you know what, we need to plan for one of you to go away. I don't mean for that to sound too blunt, but it's going to happen. It's the reality. Yeah. Right. And, and the proactive answer is let's go ahead and build in those contingencies and there's different scenarios, and it's going to be different in every household, Catherine. Uh, in some scenarios, we might see that, okay, the income will drop when one spouse dies. And on average, it's by about a third. So, wow. so it's in that, but it's going to be different. So we want to know what that's going to look like. And it might be a situation to where the expenses in the household are low enough that that income dropping is okay. More often than not, that's not the case. So we need a contingency, and a contingency could look like, okay, we have another asset, and we're going to earmark that asset to replace the income we need for that surviving spouse to be okay. Or it could be addressed with life insurance. The death of a spouse, life insurance will spring into effect, so to speak, and it will cover an income gap or a need that I'm going to have to be okay in retirement. So the answer to Catherine's question is, if we're the place to where we say we don't know how it would work when one of us dies, it goes back, and I think it came up a little earlier in the show, Carl, is what is your plan if we don't have one? That's how we need to build your retirement plan is when that happens, based on our specific situation, what is the best way for us to address that, that we have a contingency for when a spouse dies to make sure that surviving spouse is okay? And I think one of the big things is when we do retirement planning, we can't consider it my retirement planning and your retirement planning, my IRAs, 401ks, 
your IRAs, 401ks, my social security, your social security. All of those are puzzle pieces within the household. And how do we utilize those puzzle pieces to take care and be as efficient and effective through both lives? Well, and Bo, you said you've, you know, obviously in the article that we talked about earlier and stepping in and helping being that third voice for couples. What do you say for somebody like me, you know, talking with my lady? Now, obviously, we don't know if there's wedding bells and dual retirement in the cards for us. Um, Or somebody like our caller, Catherine, today, and maybe her spouse isn't really comfortable talking about this. So what would you say to the, the lesser... Uh, the 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 spouse who has the least amount of comfort in talking about this, how would you kind of alleviate some of their fears to draw them into this conversation? Because I'm sure it comes up a, a lot where one spouse really wants to talk about this and think and plan, mm-hmm. and the other spouse goes, we'll just deal with that later, and eventually later doesn't come. And, and this came up again earlier in the show. That The tension that can create can be immense, right? It can cause big problems, yep. talking about money or not talking about it, or I'm wanting to feel prepared, but you're not wanting to come to the table. And really, in the worlds that, that I'm involved with, the, the, some of the solutions I see is you could go to a skilled retirement advisor, and they're going to have the capacity to act as a neutral third party mm. to help facilitate some of these conversations that we've talked about. Mm. So that it's a little easier to do than when it's me and you in a relationship on our own trying to have these. If there's these, you know, there's some discomfort, there's some, you know, it's different you telling me what I should do versus, okay, we're going to talk this out, maybe get some neutral input that might help us get to a resolution. And then the other, the second is if the advisor, especially if you feel like an advisor you've worked with or that you have access to through work is a transactional person, meaning they're putting you in mutual funds, they're putting you in an annuity, and they're not having those bigger conversations, you might even need to look into finding a retirement coach and a retirement coach is a little a little better equipped to help facilitate those conversations and help you get to the goal that both people feel on the same page, but maybe not in a way that's going to end up in a, a knockdown drag out because yeah. there's 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 too much tension right now to do it on your own. Absolutely. Well, what a great question. Thank you again to Catherine, our listener, for proposing that. And again, for all of our listeners, we want to tell you, be sure to go to askbo.com or to facebook.com forward slash retirement resource to get us your question. And maybe we even have you featured on the show like that. But that's all the time we have today for In the Mailbag. Well, Bo, this has been another super fun uh, time hanging out with you, talking about some finances and retirement. But uh, actually, I got a jet. What's going on? Well, like I got a hot date. Got a hot date. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a two-for-one special over at the Long John Silver, so we're about <laughs> to have a good time. Here comes Art. Go ahead. Okay. Don't yet. Hey, remember, don't say anything. Hey, Art. Yeah, man. It's good to see you. Oh, is it time for your joke? Yeah, man, come on in, come on in. Oh boy, we're going to do an art joke? Yeah, man, it's time in the show for art jokes. I mean, everybody's been clamoring. I've been hearing about art, all of the art. It's so good to see you, man. I just want to let you know, we've been getting so much positive feedback about you. And I mean, I even love the joke at the end about how you should be the host. I mean, it's really funny. I really like that. Yeah, I mean, and maybe later we should hang out. No, you're busy. Okay, all right. Well, if you if you just want to tell the joke, I think uh, I think our audience is ready for it. Go Go right ahead. This graveyard looks overcrowded. People must be dying to get in. <laughs> it's, oh, it's good.
Oh my God. That's so funny. That's the best joke ever. Art, I had no idea how funny you oh were. My gosh. Yeah. Hey, no, you much. can no, you can stick her. <laughs> All right, he's he had to leave, I guess. Have to be. Yeah, but I mean, we get just yeah, just let it happen, man. We gotta, oh, I gotta get on Art's I, good side. I think you kind of oversold that, Carl. Oh uh, well, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, I gotta take a swing. I mean, I gotta go see his baby sister now. So I just uh, uh, hope he didn't. Get we upset. will see how this saga plays out. But for those of you, thanks so much for joining us at the Rose Creek Community Center right here on the Retirement Resource. I'm Bo Henderson here with Carl. And we'll see you next week, same time, same place. See you on the Retirement Resource.